Hello and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of GasCast, the Bristol Rovers fans podcast. I'm your host Max Alderson, delighted as always to be joined by Ollie Nino and this week we're joined by co-owner of the Terrace and adopted gas head Paul Towers. Paul, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. And Ollie, how are you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you. Always nice to have a new voice on the pod, I feel like. So yeah, I'm excited for this one. Absolutely. And uh, Paul, um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about the Terrace and why you've taken a liking to Bristol Rovers so much? You've become a bit of an adopted gas head in recent years. Yeah, you could say that. It's, um, I guess it all stems, obviously, from um, a pretty extensive period of time working with the club. Um, and obviously, since the beginning of last season, uh, managing the club's retail operations, Um Kind of one of those things, like I didn't ever really expect that I would be that interested in um, seemingly wanting to watch and follow Bristol Rovers everywhere. Um, when we, when we, we've always kind of, whenever we started working with the club, I always had um, an interest in sort of keeping an eye on the results and stuff. And I'd, I'd been to a few games um, at the Mem beforehand. Funny, funnily enough, um, I think it was like, 2006, 2007, um, I spent a lot of time in Bristol. I had some uh, friends who lived in Bedminster and I went to a game with uh, one of them. I vaguely remember that it was, I think it would be Mansfield 1-0. Um, and it's it, it was funny because it's like I have a really hazy memory, but probably three, maybe four seasons ago, came to a, a couple of games as well. And yeah, just kind of um, getting involved in in sort of working in the, in the retail. Um, department um just kind of started to follow things a bit more came to a few few games last season and kind of got hooked um so now i'm, I'm kind of at the mem at any opportunity and if there's ever an opportunity to get to an away game uh you'll you'll generally find me find me there so you work with a lot of clubs with the terrace um so why the attraction to rovers in particular is it just how closely you've worked with the club compared to other clubs or is there anything about the culture at the football club that's kind of sucked you in I think it's like a it's a combination. I think um, initially when we when we kind of came on board at the start of last season, it's I'm, I'm kind of the, the kind of person who just throws myself into a project sort of full. Like I I can't really um, bring myself to like half ass anything. And I kind of started to chat to a lot of people and sort of talk to a lot of people online. Um, and I don't know. There's just there's something special about the place. It was always kind of a you know, I love like old school football stadiums, um, you know, coming from a, growing up as a Premier League fan, it's kind of, you know, fallen out of love a little bit of the sterility of, of the Premier League. And, you know, don't don't really tend to even watch Premier League games anymore because it's it's kind of uninteresting to me. Um, plus, it's sort of, I don't know, it's kind of a enjoyable to sort of feel and experience the highs and the lows of, of certain things whereas if in reality if you support a, a top six premier league club you're generally riding a, a high constantly and i i kind of have a bit of a you could call it a bit of a twisted um sort of mindset into into the enjoyment of sort of the the highs and the lows and you know experiencing um you know the highs of winning games in the last minute and also losing games in the last minute on the on the flip side of that um and it's just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of captured my imagination, I guess, in, in the sense of, you know, there's been a lot of change at the club and I'm, I've am i kind of enjoyed watching 
things change and sort of learning how how things de- have developed um, over the last couple of years. And and yeah, it's kind of now I'm a, I plan my weekends around the gas wherever they're playing. I'm I'm sort of like saying to my missus like, yeah, we need to get out and get this done. I need to be home at three o'clock and get get it on or you know like spending weekends down south just to be able to uh, to get to games and you know I was I've been at our headquarters in Oxfordshire the last um, seven days purposefully so that I could come to the game on Saturday and then obviously be able to get to MK last night um, so yeah it's just kind of caught the bug I guess yeah we've all been there haven't we Ollie yeah we have indeed yeah yeah what I was going to say is um I mean, you wouldn't be able to say this, I understand, but um, I think what you've done with the club shop is absolutely amazing and the merchandise and stuff. And the club shop before you guys took over was an absolute shambles and the stuff in there, <laughs> I wouldn't touch with a barge pole. And I honestly think it's just transformed completely since you guys took over. So yeah, just not wanting to expand your head too much, but just kudos to you, really. I think it's brilliant. No, I think um, it's that's the, the, getting that kind of feedback is the kind of stuff that like we kind of like to hear. And it's kind of, really for me it was always just about like taking a bit of a fresh approach and part of I'm a big believer that like um, football fans should always be at the heart of as many decisions that a club makes as possible so you know it's rather than sort of just doing things that we we felt were sort of overdone within the football market it's you know I'll go out and speak to fans and you know we read a lot of things online as to people what people want because in the end like the the club's retail department, if it doesn't cater to what the club's fans want, then it's it's not going to be successful. Um, you know, and I kind of feel like we've we've done a pretty decent job so far. I mean, we we would be completely lost without uh, without Pete Weymouth. Um, you know, obviously he came into the club at the same time as we did, and you know, he's been a, a breath of fresh air sort of on a daily basis, constantly trying to drive standards and you know. It's it's really been a. It, it, I know it sounds really cliche, but it's really been a pleasure to um, to sort of work with the various different people within the club who are all sort of pulling in the same direction to to improve the experience on a match day for fans. Yeah, it's hugely improved, and and some of the stuff you've brought out, the retro kit and jacket remasters, remakes. Um, not sure on the right technical term. The the redos of those have been brilliant. Um, obviously, massively successful with those. Um, the, the smaller stuff like the mugs and the phone cases. Um, what what kind of like has sold best since um, you've started doing stuff for Rovers? I think weirdly it's 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 been actually quite surprising because usually like I see obviously all the the data and stuff from like the terrace as a business and like you know primarily we sell mugs constantly. It's like the the staple of you know every single day. You know it, it's always sort of a set percentage of this is always going to sell and it's it's kind of made life quite quite simple because it was it's quite easy to focus on like a specific area whereas the thing i found quite of a, a challenge at, at rovers is that there isn't really that one thing that just does that obviously you know traditionally it's, it's kit and you know training wear and stuff like that but when it comes to everything else it tends to sort of all move in this in similar sort of um cycles and stuff like that and it's it's kind of just been cool to be able to to sort of try new stuff and uh, you know we're, we're heavily focused on um, on design work as well as you know those sort of um, elements of it, sort of hitting into fan culture and and you know retro kits has been obviously a big big thing. Like the retro bandwagon seems to still be rolling on, and it's you know it's it's always good because in the end it's it's quite easy for people to connect with like a specific moment in their life. Like I'm sure you know you've experienced some 
incredible highs and you always remember that football kit that's synonymous with a goal or a trip to Wembley or, you know, something. But then on the flip side of that, you also associate, you know, kits with bad season. So it's it's quite interesting to sort of see the different the different thing. And the thing that I always find crazy is, especially coming to the Rovers, is you you can walk sort of around the, the fan zone on a match day and it's like there's so many different old shirts. Like, you know, people wearing shirts from the 90s, the early 2000s and, you know, I think that's a really cool thing because especially in design, it's sort of part of me looks at football kits now and wonders which of these kits from this era in 10, 20 years will be considered retro. Yeah. And it's, you know, because it's, it's very different than what it used to be and it's kind of, it's really interesting to sort of see those different things and different people associate different kits and, you know, with different, different time periods in the club's history. And, and as well, you know, you, you always remember your first football game and the kit that was, the team was wearing when you went there. So it's, you'll always have that connection with it. And I guess kids nowadays in 10, 20 years will always have that connection from their first game. You know, if somebody's come to their, their first game this season, that those kits home and away will both be synonymous with them for the rest of their life. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of kits, you guys also had a hand in designing the kits for this season. Is, is that right? Yeah. So um, obviously, like the Carl, my business partner, and Tom Gorringe, um, you know, and sat down um, last season and and sort of come up with some ideas um, and got some designs together for um, for the kits. Obviously, you know, it's. I think sometimes people don't really understand what maybe how in depth that particular process is and, and you know how far in advance it's actually done i mean probably by the end of this month kits for next season will be signed off um you know because it's everybody works so far in advance that you know it's it's quite a lengthy process you know to, to get to the final stage of actually receiving the product um and yeah there's a lot of lot of back and forth a lot of different ideas and we kind of landed where we landed with the kits um and I think they're both really, really good kits. I mean, the away kit is mm. unbelievably good. I mean, it's it, it's kind of funny, really, because I was probably the only person who wasn't quite sure about it. Um, and it's it's interesting when you sort of see that. And, you know, we're sort of looking through different things like meat and green slash turquoise training wear. And I'm thinking, don't know about this, but, but it's, it's great to sort of see how well the kits have both been received. Um, you know, and the feedback on has been great. And, I think I love the idea of putting a map through a through a shirt. And I think I don't know whether everybody's figured out that like what's actually under the the badge on the shirt. It's the mem, isn't it? I don't know if it's it's actually the um it's the Eastfield. place where the Stapleton Road where the club was founded. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think that a lot of people maybe hadn't realized that the the certain elements of the map are quite put in a place for a reason. Um but I think it's really cool. I mean I, I love it, and I think you know, judging by the fact of sales, fans seem to love it as well. Yeah, I mean, we had a discussion about it at the start of the season, didn't didn't we? Well, I don't know what your thoughts are now, but for me, the away has massively grown on me. Yeah, I think it's probably it just one looks of my better in a live it. session, doesn't it? Yeah, it with, the, with like the full the socks as the well. Really good. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. Cool. Um, let's move on to talking about uh, the last couple of games then. So Rovers and I. It's, it feels so good to say this. Um, two wins to talk about, Ollie. Um, it's it's been it's been it's been a short second, hasn't it, since we've been able to talk about a league win? I think August the last time. Um, now October, but now we have two wins to talk about. So um, yeah, 
all smiles here on on the podcast now um, after two pretty 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 strong performances. Let's start with Cambridge at home, a two one win, um, and uh, yeah, the men was rocking come come full time when that full time whistle went. Um, an own goal um, to put Rovers one 0 up, then a penalty um, saw Cambridge level the scoreline. Um, before in the second half, uh, Josh Coburn got the winner on 53 minutes. So it was a revert back to 4-3-3. And a f- first real look at Josh Coburn, who, of course, as I just said, scored the winning goal. Um, Nino, what do you make of this kind of new look front three of Collins, Loft and Coburn? Um, yeah, I mean, I really like the look of it. I thought that the game in general, the Cambridge game, I thought it was just a huge game because the game previously, the Exeter away, um, personally, I know it's disappointing to come out of that with a draw, really, considering how we played. But I came away from that thinking that was probably our best all-round performance of the season for me. Um, I know you could look back to Burton, but they had 10 men for most of the game. So I'm kind of writing that one off. So Exeter away, tough place to go. They're a good side, really dangerous side, um, especially going to St. James's Park. They're really strong there. And I was a bit fearful going into that, to be honest. Obviously, we've been on a poor run before it. Um, but yeah, I watched that and I just thought we played really well, you know, other than those two horror moments at the back where we pretty much gifted them their two goals, the overall performance, I thought, like I said, was our best of the season. And so to come away from that with a draw was disappointing, but also I thought, okay, this kind of feels like the start of the season really for us in that I saw things clicking for the first time, like partnerships developing the front three, that game, I think was loft Marquis and Collins and them as a front three looked really dangerous. We scored two lovely goals that game, uh, lovely interplay between them three for the first one. Um, so going into the Cambridge game, it's like, all right, we need to take this into this game now. We need to take that extra performance into this game. We can't have it be sort of a false dawn because I think everyone would have felt really, really flat after Cambridge if we'd come away from that, either with a draw or a loss, obviously. Um, but I thought the Cambridge game, I thought it was a really good game. Um, I thought it was quite even for long spells. Um, they had a striker, I think it was Ironside up front for them. I thought he was a real handful at times. Um, I know Luca Hall played centre-back in this game. I thought Hall struggled against him a bit, to be fair. Ironside's quite a physical player, good sort of target man, hold up, flick on guy. I thought Hall struggled at times against him. Um, obviously, it's not Hall's sort of natural position. But yeah, no, I thought it was a good game. The front three, really like the look of Coburn. Obviously, he got the winner. Um, lovely assist from Collins in that one. He's not, I think Coburn's not a target man. Like He's big. He's He is quite tall, but he's quite spindly. He's quite slight. I'm not sure lumping it up to him is going to get the best out of him, really. He looked good with it at his feet. There was a moment in the first half quite early on where he got it to his feet and there was two men on him and he sort of dipped inside the two men and had a run at goal and then curled it wide. And as soon as he did that, I think I turned to you or Kaz and I was like, oh, who needs Elliot Anderson? Look at this bloke. He's unbelievable. <laughs> and I think that's his skill set. He looks good with it at his feet. Like for the, for his size, I think he's going to be better with it at his feet than we expected. He's got a bit of pace. Obviously, it was good movement and a good finish for the goal. Um, yeah, no, I like the look of it. And Lofty, you know, has come on just, I think he's just come on so much. Uh, I think we talked about it or you guys talked about it in the last pod, but he's really just come on leaps and bounds, I think, the start of this season. And um, Collins has just sort of picked up from where he left off at the end of last season. He's just, you know, he looks magic and he's getting goals and assists almost every game, it feels like. So, yeah, it was a good game. Uh, obviously, just really pleased to come out on the winning side of it. Let's uh, let's stay on Ryan Loft for a bit because um, going back to Exeter away, he um, brought the ball down a treat 
to spread it wide for that cross in for for Marcus's goal, and then um, obviously scored the equaliser against Cambridge. Um, he headed it down for the own goal. He won the header that uh, created the opener, and um, then uh, yeah, he, he again brought the ball down a treat, spread it wide to Collins, who put the ball in for Coburn for the winner. And getting a, not getting too far ahead of ourselves for MK Dons, he went and won the penalty, which which won us the game. So he's gone from being someone who looked like a pretty ineffective uh, impact player off the bench to being pretty integral to, to all of our attacking play now, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I vaguely recall, I was trying to find the tweet the other day, but like, I remember at the end of last season, I was saying that I just had this feeling that if he got a full preseason under him and then got a run of games in the team, that he'd actually start to to show glimpse. Like, because he'd, he'd shown the odd glimpse here and there, but like, he just looks like a completely different player. I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about like how hard he's worked over um, over summer. Like he just looks absolutely shredded. Like, and the, the thing I noticed about him as well is he just never seems to stop running. Like closing down. Like whenever we played like um, the high press, like he's constantly running, constantly. Like even I can't remember. I think it was maybe Cambridge actually, or maybe it was Exeter. I can't remember. He was. Um, it was like the 88th minute, and he's still running around like it's like the fourth and fifth minute of the game. And I just think it was hard to sort of I understand that like fans criticize players now and again but like some of the some of the critique that was leveled at him um last season was was pretty harsh and I feel that he's more than answered his critics just in this first period of the of the season and I think you know it's it, it doesn't always fall to him in the right the right areas to to maybe sort of do what he wants but like it's kind of shown in the last few games just how integral he can actually be when he gets the ball in the right place and you know, making the assist. And to be honest, he's just a nuisance. Like, I feel like whenever he's battling with defenders, they, they just don't want it because he's big and he's physical. Um, you know, and I can see that, I was thinking about this earlier, I was thinking like, you know, we've obviously got the technical front four, who, whoever, who makes way? Like, and you know, he's, there's kind of an argument really that like Lofty has to start every game from from now on for me, but it's it's kind of one of those. It's, I think it's good to have those options. Um and I mean, yeah, hopefully he'll continue to score more goals and, you know, we're only going to benefit, I guess, from his uh, increase in, in power and speed. Yeah, I completely agree. I think nuisance is a great word for him. Um, like he always had the the physical attributes last season to look like he could be something, like Paul said, with a preseason under his belt. But he's just, he's so strong. He's so quick. I think the thing with him is he's never going to be a silky technically particularly gifted footballer I don't think it's just not what he is that he's never going to have the sort of dribbling ability of someone like Collins go past a man like he can um his touch is a bit loose sometimes some of his hold up play is a little bit frustrating at times but like Paul said he's just always in the game and a defender knows they're in a game when he's playing at the moment because he, they have to worry about him constantly because he's either barging them shoving him off the ball you know winning he's winning flick-ons now I remember start of the season and back to last season, a ball would go up and he'd jump about 10 seconds early for the header and be almost be on the floor by the time the ball was actually going over his head. And the ball would come to him, sort of simple passes he'd put astray. And he just looks like a completely different player this season. Uh, you can tell he's got confidence, like from the turn away at Exeter, where he turned that man and played out for Collins. I don't think he even attempts that at the start of the season or last season, but you can see now he's got confidence and he's just like Paul said, I think, you know, you, you can't drop him. He is one of the first names on the team sheet for me at the moment, because even when he's not having a particularly brilliant game, I don't think he was 
all around had an amazing game against Cambridge or last night. I don't think he was particularly involved, but he has crucial involvements that get us goals and get us assists and you just can't afford to leave him out. Um, and I've always had a soft spot for Lofty. I think everyone who listens knows that. And I'm just absolutely buzzing that he's sort of coming good now. I just, yeah, couldn't be happier for him, to be fair. What a bloke. You're definitely right. And he's, he's that player who's never, he's not got that technical ability that Collins or um, Marquis have. Um, so he almost has to work two, three times as hard to stay in the team. So all that work rate and running, he's having to do that to make up for maybe the, the technical gap. But um, I think there's a bit of a false illusion from fans thinking that a player needs to be a complete package. They don't. They can just be very useful at the thing they do to be effective if you if you use them in the right way, um, and which we are doing with Loft at the minute. They can they can be massively effective. And and for the fifty thousand pounds we paid for him, he's more than paid it off already. I think. And at his age, he's still got room to keep improving and and focusing on his strengths and utilizing those so yeah he, he's been I did not expect us to be talking about Ryan Loft much this season I was fully expecting January to roll around and him be loaned to Grimsby or somewhere but um no he's he's been he's fast becoming a bit of a cult hero uh, like I mean I mean cult heroes at football clubs in the in the sense of um you know zero to hero almost and it's been good to see from Lofty um, let's talk a bit about the defence then, because we've had some reinforcements uh, arriving just in the, the nick of time over the last two games. Cambridge at home saw the return of James Gibbons at right back and Lewis Gibson off the bench uh, came on at centre back um, in the second half. Um, their defensive impacts already showing, Paul. Yeah, I'd say so. And I'd say that it was, um, it, it's kind of, it kind of feels a little sometimes a bit like deja vu of last season where we kind of, get to this point of the season and we're starting to see all these players coming back from um, from injury and, and you know, Joe having like a plethora of, you know, centre-halves to choose from in, in whichever system um, he chooses to play is, is can only be a good thing. Um, Gibbons was one that I was, um, I was really excited about because um, obviously he's, you know, when he's been injury-free, he's always been solid. Um, you know, a lot of people were surprised that, um, that we signed him. Um, to be fair, and I think, I think it's it's interesting just to to see what he offers, and he's he's very tenacious. Um, his positioning, especially last night, I thought um, his positioning was was really good. Um, I'm just really, I'm just intrigued, really, more than anything, to sort of see see which defensive setup kind of gels the best. Because um, I mean, you know, if you look back to last season, it. It took a while um, for it to sort of click, and for um, for Connor Taylor and, and Connolly to actually form that solid partnership. And I, I think we've kind of seen a bit bit of that this season, where it's called, you know due to injuries, there's sort of a few players in and a few players out. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see how, um, how Gibson. I mean, Gibson. <laughs> I think last night, I don't think there wasn't a, I don't think he made a single mistake. His positioning was always great. He seemed to always win the ball. Um, and it again, I was kind of watching and thinking, like, I got little shades of last season where sort of, you know, this, what is the defensive partnership? I mean, you know, is it Thomas and um, and Gibson? I don't know. Maybe, possibly. I think you need to see sort of more of them in um, in action. But I'm just really excited that, um, you know, we'll have all these players coming back from injury and, and hopefully we'll get two there that will form a, a solid partnership that, we can build on. 
Yeah, for sure. And both of those you mentioned, low knees, um, as were Connor Taylor and James Connolly last season. Um, but we have signed, obviously, James Connolly on a three-year deal now. He's only a few weeks away from returning from injury. Um, I mean, I, I can't really see Barton changing a defence that's kept a clean sheet. And um, even with Connolly being kind of the player that's ours that we want to develop now, um, yeah. if Thomas and Gibson can continue in this this small vein of form they've shown so far, he's, he might struggle to get back in. I think... Personally, I think he will go to a back three when Connolly's fit. If Thomas and Gibson are also fit at the same time, I think he's had that in his mind as that's his first choice front three for a while. Um, obviously, if we continue playing a back four for the next, say, five or six games and we're you know winning every game or looking fantastic, keeping clean sheets, then yeah, possibly he's not going to want to fiddle around with it. But I think... In his mind, I think he would love to have Connolly right centre-back, Gibson left centre-back, Thomas in the middle, because Thomas is the sort of big unit, like Connor Taylor last season, heads heads everything away. You know, he's an absolute monster in the air. Connolly on the right-hand side of a back three, I think he would kind of suit it because he's got a bit of pace and mobility. You need that on the right of a back three. And then Gibson, I remember Barton was bigging up Gibson a lot when he signed him saying, you know, he loves the fact that he's got a left-footed centre-back in now because you want a left-footed centre-back on the left of a back three, opens up new passing angles when you're trying to play out from the back with a player like that there. Um, So I think he will be gagging to play a back three with those three if they're all fit. But as I said, fully understand that if we're playing a back four up until the point he comes back and we're smashing everyone out the park, he's obviously not going to fiddle about with it. So yeah, it will be interesting. I think it's kind of up to the centre-back pairing and the defence we're playing now to make it that Connolly can't come, you know, waltz straight back in when he's fit um, at that time. But yeah, we'll see, I guess. It'd be nice just to have a set of defence for once because I don't think we've like had a consistent like week-to-week defence. Uh, that can't be easy for Belshaw either playing with a different uh, different combination in front of him every week. Um, so hopefully we can build on that. But let's move on to MK Don's away because we did keep a clean sheet there uh, in what was far from the prettiest game, not the most eventful. But what did you make of another much needed win, Nino? Um, delighted with the three points, obviously. Um, first away win since Burton, I believe, which feels like an absolute age ago now. So yeah, really nice to get three points on the road. Um, clean sheet, as you said, happy days. Um, I thought MK Dons were absolutely atrocious. So I don't know how much you can kind of read into it, really. Um, I mean, they were, you know, the crowd, I was only watching on iFollow, but you could hear them really turning on the team towards the end of the game. And I think there was heavy boos at the end. I wouldn't be surprised if that manager was going to get the sack soon because it sounds like they're at that kind of toxic pool buckle end of days time with him. So I just thought they looked like they had no confidence. I thought they played like the away side and just sat off us for the entire game. They had no ambition or drive to seem to come at us at any point. Um, yeah, I thought they were pathetic, to be honest. But we still had to go there, get the job done. We did. Kept a clean sheet. Well deserving of our three points. Um, yeah, I think it's just one of those that you just take the three points and kind of write it off really and just happy days move on because I'm not sure there's loads to read into it as a game it was just a a really poor game I thought but yeah happy days three points let's go so the xg for us was 1.4 and that does include a penalty which is 0.7 so 0.7 open play xg 0.7 from the penalty uh MK Don's expected goals 0.1 does that kind of say it all probably 
I think it was a, just a really weird game to watch because like, I kind of felt like it, part of the time they almost didn't want to attack and it, it, they're just constantly like pumping the ball into the channel and it, it, I don't know, it made for a difficult watch because it was like, there was, I'm a fan of like the ball on the ground and I get that like those different things, the, the different ways of playing have a, you know, a positive impact in certain games. Like, you know, you have to set up differently and you have to play differently, but there was just certain things in like the the body language of their players. I mean, I, there was one just after um, just after Harry Anderson held the ball up for about five minutes in the corner, and the ball sort of went out, and there was still sixty seconds left to play, and like their their left back just couldn't even be asked getting the ball and giving it to their goalkeeper to like move play on. And I'm thinking, you're one nil down, and like you know, you'd, you could you imagine that being us? Like the Belshaw would be out of his goal halfway across the touchline, the ball would be up in their 18-yard box and you'd, you'd be fighting for it. And it it, it kind of just felt like they'd, they'd kind of given up, really, after the, especially after the penalty went in. I mean, I always felt that we'd score. Um, I just didn't quite know when it had come. And, you know, I mean, we, we were getting into a lot of the right areas, creating chances here and there. And it's, you know, it's it, it's one of them games, really, where great three points kind of move on and, and kind of forget about it for me because, it, it, you know, it wasn't, wasn't the most entertaining, but I think I think it's good, uh, you know, on our part to to actually get the job done, keep a clean sheet, and bring three points. So when when the opposition is is playing as they're playing, I think what I found a bit frustrating with how we were playing yet last night is that you know I've been to MK a few times, and the thing that always strikes me when I go there is that the pitch is huge. Like the pitch just feels enormous, and like there's so much space and so much space to play into. And with how they were sitting off us. There was just our defenders seemed to have so much time on the ball a lot because yeah. they just weren't pressing at all. But we seemed to just be very, very direct in the game for a lot of it. And I know we had Coburn and Loft up front. I think it's almost when you've got two six foot plus blokes up front, I feel like it's kind of the easy option at times to just whack it up there and hope that one of those two can hold it up or flick it on or whatever. And I just felt like there was times, especially in midfield, where they would get it and they would be in loads of space because MK weren't pressing us and they would just sort of hurriedly smash it forward into space or you know it was kind of like hopeful balls going forward whereas I felt like we could have just taken a lot more care with the ball at times and sort of got some combinations going but I mean it is a Tuesday night game I think they probably run themselves into the ground on Saturday people like Loft I don't know how they even played last night to be fair because he looked absolutely dead at the end of that um, Cambridge game he'd just run and run and run so maybe it was sort of combination of tired legs and an opposition sitting back against you. And it's it's probably difficult to play against a team like that. But yeah, I just felt like our style of play at times. And anyway, I was listening to Barton after the game and he was saying, um, you know, he was saying, you know, in my time here, we've been a sort of pass and move team, but especially in winter, you've got to play a certain way sometimes. And I'm thinking, yeah, but the pitch was like a bowl screen last night. You know, it wasn't like it's a muddy quagmire of a pitch like the Mem used to be when the rugby shared. You know, pitches aren't really like that anymore. And I, f- I felt like we could have played a lot more on the ground than we did last night but I'm not trying to pick faults in a, in a win because it is nice to get about back-to-back three points and you know happy days but I just yeah it was just frustrating at times. I think we could have been a bit more ambitious on the board. Yeah, yeah. What, what I thought when, when I was looking at how what I noticed was that the fullbacks were so deep they never really pushed much into that attacking third like we usually do at home um, so like um, uh, Gibbons and um Gordon weren't really getting that high compared to how we did against Cambridge. And I, the way I kind of saw it was like, I think maybe we were giving them a bit too much credit. We maybe thought they'd be a bit better than they were 
I didn't think we expected them not to press us, like you said, in the midfield. And we almost looked a little bit like, oh, this wasn't the game plan. We're kind of, we've got a flat back four. We've got midfielders who look to get it and then look for the, the, the channel runs rather than actually control possession and control the space. Um, and I think maybe we didn't plan for that. And we kind of had to maybe just adjust it on the fly a little bit. That's kind of how I saw it. Um, but that brings me quite nicely onto the midfield. Um, Barton made some changes, particularly in that area with Coots and McCormick getting a chance to stake their claim for a place in what's now a pretty contested group of midfielders. Um, neither have really got off to a great this season, but how do you think they fared yesterday, Nino? Coots, I thought personally, it was probably his best game of the season so far. I think he's kind of having a similar start to the season he had last season where he looks... He's looked very slow, a bit laboured on the ball. There was, a, a, to be fair, a point in last night's game where he sort of dilly-dallied on the ball in midfield and got robbed of it and they were straight at our back four and we kind of played ourselves into a little bit of trouble at that point. But in general, I thought it was his best game of the season last night, kind of returning to the good coots of last season where he's just very calm on the ball, picking out passes, keeps us ticking over. The player I do want to mention, to be fair, is Rossiter, who yeah. I thought had a really slow poor start to the season to be honest didn't really see sort of five six games in wasn't seeing what he offers to be honest um I thought his season as well as the team season start in Exeter I thought his season started Exeter I thought he was brilliant Exeter away um just getting about the midfield putting tackles in winning the ball again he's not the silkiest player he's not going to drive past a man he's probably not going to score a goal all season probably not going to get an assist all season but he's not there to do that he's just there to rat around the midfield win the ball give it to someone who's better than he is and i think exeter away cambridge at home and last night i think he's really sort of starting to show now what sort of player he is and what he can offer the team and you know i think he's almost made himself kind of in the form he's in currently i don't see how you can drop him because i think he is just really knitting that midfield together and making us very competitive in there whereas earlier in the season we were very soft through the center so yeah i think rossiter's really sort of come to the party yeah i agree i was i remember saying i don't usually like to write players off early but i did with rossiter massively <laughs> a couple of weeks ago i was saying to you on the terrace i think i was like I just don't get. I just don't get him. I just don't get what 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 he offers or what what his strengths are. Or I know it's early, but I've probably watched him play five or six games, and I'm just thinking, what's he doing out there? What's he offering or or giving us? But now, I, yeah, now it's just like Stuart Sinclair, isn't it? He's just running around all over the place. His energy, his um, competitiveness, um, it's it's just. And even what surprised me most about him is how good he is in the air for someone his height. Um, yeah, really, really useful player. Massive step up in performance from him over the past couple of weeks. Um, what have you made of him, Paul? And also, um, just want to get your thoughts on McCormick as well and how he started. Um, I thought Rossiter was outstanding last night. I think I really like. Do you know how it's going to sound really cliche? But I love the fact that he just looks like a proper old school footballer. Like shorts pulled up, shirt tucked in, like no, no messing about. Like proper like Shaved Vinnie Jones esque. Yeah, Vinnie Jones esque. And. Um, but it's kind of last night, like he, he was, you know, competing, winning everything. And, you know, I just think he's had some really, really good games to the point where it, it, I was thinking about it earlier, like who do, who do you start? And it's like, I, I think that's, you know, it's always a good problem to have, like who who do you start when this person's playing so well, but obviously this person's also playing well. And, you know, when you get sort of flashes from, from different players, but I think, it, I just think sometimes, and I, it's probably a bit, 
easier for me, I guess, to sometimes to analyze like how pl- I think players are playing because because I'm 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 more of an optimist. So I'm kind of like you know get get ten games under your belt and and sort of bed yourself in, find your feet, and then because just like you know edging back to last season, like the number of players that get wrote off after a defeat or you know you lose a game and it's like oh, he's crap he's crap and it's I think that sometimes you kind of forget that like it just takes a bit of time and it doesn't always take time for every team but you know like like we said earlier about Lofty like I think Rossiter was another one where it was you know people were were sort of like oh I don't really know what this guy does but then obviously you get performances like last night and you know you 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 want him to push on and um and sort of do the same. And I, I think the same thing for McCormick. I mean, didn't get a whole lot of game, hasn't played a whole lot of games this season. So I think that the more game time that he gets, I think the, the more he'll improve. And I, I just have a feeling that we'll see the best from him in the second part, second phase of the season, because I think by then he'll have settled in. Because I think one of the things people overlook is the fact that we've had quite a settled sort of group of players that have always sort of played, to, you know, Finley. Um, Collins off there and you know Coops and it I think it's difficult when you come into a team where they played as well as they did last season in those things to then okay this is a different type of player than you know than, than those other players so like where does he fit in you know um, it sometimes just takes some time to to find their feet I guess and you know I'm I'm more than confident that he's going to come good it's just I think you just we just need that game time from him but then Again, like you said, you know, if you've got players who are who are performing really, really well, it's like you kind of hope you get those opportunities. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely checking out on the who starts in midfield debate because it's 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 nearly impossible for me to decide. You know, Finley Finley starts and he plays plays really well. He comes on last night and it straight away starts influencing the game. And I think I think it I could easily say he's our best midfielder in my opinion because I think that. He's just a really good box to box player. Like he he's tenacious. He can he's competitive. He tends to win the biggest percentage of his um tackles that he attempts. And then at the other end, he could be pinging it in from 30 yards. And you know, he, he spreads the play really well. Um so it's it's kind of one of them things. People will probably be debating it till they're blue in the face as to who who starts where. But I just I think there's so many options that I Finley's probably the only name that I, I strike down straight away on my my team sheet for always starting. But yeah, the others you, you you're free to pick who you who you feel because I genuinely can't decide who would who would start in there as well. Yeah, I don't know what Paul felt being at the game because I think it does feel differently sometimes compared to watching it on iFollow. But for me, I thought Finley changed the game for us when he came on last yeah. night. I thought he was brilliant. Like, I've, I, you know, I love Finley anyway. I thought he was superb last season. I don't. I think he's had quite a slow start to this season again. But again, kind of like Rossiter, I think the last few games he's really starting to sort of get back into his best form now. And um, obviously last night, I'm assuming he was benched because he was sort of knackered after Saturday, which is fair enough. But when he came on, I just thought he was superb. You know, he linked uh, straight away. He came on and played a a little one-two with Collins that got Collins away running at their defence. And that had been missing kind of all game. There had been none of that kind of quick one-two link-up play, getting people into space. And as soon as Finley comes on, stuff's starting to happen like that. Um, I just thought he was brilliant. And um, the other player I wanted to mention, sort of moving away from the midfield, is Gordon, who I thought, I just, I thought he looked really good last night. Um, I love Gordon. I, 
I love his composure yeah. on the ball. He's just so calm. He can have the ball surrounded by four men and he won't hoof it. He's it'll turn and he'll turn and he'll find someone and he'll give it. I just, yeah, for the, for the age he is first loan spell away or first time, you know, playing sort of senior men's football. I just think he looks like a really sort of bright prospect and he's growing into it and growing into the season and the team. Mm. And yeah, I just really like the look of him. And I thought he was, yeah, just superb last night. He's, he's our player as well. He's not alone. Oh yeah. We've true. signed him on a two-year deal. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. For his age, 21, I think. Um, I, kn- I know he's not perfect and I know he, I think particularly against Cambridge, they targeted him once they figured out that he maybe liked to back off a little bit rather than stick a foot in. They kind of doubled up on him because we were playing quite a narrow 4-3-3 um, and he struggled at times. But I think in general, he's probably been the most consistent player in our defence for me. Um, he's been unremarkable, but solid. I think he's just 6 out of 10 every week. Um, occasionally has a 7 out of 10. And I think for a young player, that consistency is such a good bedrock to build from and he can he can really start to work on his attacking play. He can work on him being a little bit more aggressive in his defensive play, but he just looks like a, a really good acquisition. Gives us a lot of balance on that left-hand side. We've got Trevor Clark if we do want to go a bit more attacking as well. And you know, I, I think he's been a really smart signing. And I, I just really like the kid. I think he's got a good attitude. Um, I like that he kind of decided to kind of go away from the, that B-team football. Didn't sign for Crystal Palace, even though he was offered terms and decided he wanted to come and actually play for um, play for a football league club. So I really like his attitude and his, his ambition. And yeah, I think we forget how young this group is as well. Um, even Bobby Thomas and uh, Lewis Gibson at centre-back, very young. Luca Hall, 19, 20 years old. Um, yeah, Gordon, 21 years old. And then, you know, we've got a, a loads of players who are probably, I would say, just hit, about to hit their prime. So, like, you've got Collins, you've got Evans, who are 24, 25, 26 years old. They've still got their best years ahead of them. And this, this group, I know it's not been a good start. Um, we've got 13 games gone, 15 points. Um, but I think that's pretty much what was expected from us, Paul, at this stage. I think so. Yeah, I think um, it's that thing. Like one of my one of my good friends is an Ipswich fan, and he's like, he's like, yeah, League One, like you either come up and you um, you get the bounce and end up like in or about the playoffs, or you like, you know, you just consolidate. And I think, I think we have a really good group, and you know, it's. There's not, there's not been as much upheaval as what some teams have. I mean, you know, you were talking about MK Dons last night. They effectively sold their entire spine of the team in the summer, and look where it's got them. And I just think, I just think that there's room for the the group to grow. Um, and I just, I feel like there's a lot of this team and this group, and that they've got a lot of credit in the bank to be able to, tr- you know, to try things like, you know, we, I kind of like the fact that we could potentially have various shape and system options. I mean, you know, there was, um, there was a couple of changes on Saturday where, you know, in the end when we, um, I can't remember who we brought on, but we, we basically went to a practically a five um, and we just basically shut Cambridge out. And it was, you know, it's like, for example, when we played against Oxford um, a little earlier in the season, the, the, the shape was really narrow and it forced Oxford down the wings and they, they basically had no attacking threat from it. And it was, it's kind of one of them where it's like, you know, there's sometimes with certain systems, there's high risk, high reward. Um, and it's, I just think that there's a lot of options for us. I mean, you, you were just talking then about how good um, Lewis Gordon is. And then, you know, I sometimes forget that like Trevor Clark is a decent player. And, you know, you think, 
having those options there and the number of options that we have at centre-back, if we do switch to a three, um, you know, we we technically have three, four solid centre-backs who could all play in that system. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to, I, I really enjoy the uh, the Saturday of trying to figure out what the, the shape's going to be based on the team sheet and usually being wrong. Uh, um, but I just think that it's, I just feel very positive. Maybe, maybe I'm overly optimistic because I've, you know, I've, I've maybe not been through some of the, the lows that you guys have endured and experienced over the your life. They'll come, don't worry, around. mate. They'll come. We'll, we'll <laughs> soon beat you down to our level of negativity. Don't worry. I think I think it's crazy because it's like I just um, sometimes I feel like I said it to someone on Saturday. Like I feel like I know pretty good amount about football, but then like I speak to some people like in and around the club, and I'm just like I don't know what I'm talking about. Like you know, I see things, and then I, uh, someone says something different, and I'm like, oh yeah, I never saw that. Like it's it's really positive. I just think. Like you say, you know, we we kind of needed the last two games, and you know, it, weirdly enough, I'm I'm not even afraid of like going away to Sheffield Wednesday and Derby because I just think that it's there's a lot of you know, yes, those teams are good teams, and you know, they're banging goals in for fun, but I just think that with the group that we have and the 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 closeness that they've got together as a team, like you, you can see people, you know, running for each other and pushing each other, and there's there seems to be a really good spirit and. You know, sometimes when you need it, that's what pulls you through certain games. Um, but, you know, I think we just have to kind of see how it pans out. I remember Joe saying last season, you know, judge the season in 10-game blocks. So, like, we'll see what the next um, the next block of games brings and, you know, hopefully plenty of points. I think what's making me a lot more optimistic at the moment than I was when I last was on here, which was, you know, probably back in September now, uh, middle of September, and we'd just been on that run where we'd played Morecambe at home, 2-2, um, lost 2-0 away at Ipswich, and then obviously conceded six at home to Lincoln. And we were just seemed to be shipping goals for fun. And we seem to have really solidified a bit now. You know, now there's players that have come back in that area, like we've talked about. We seem to be a lot more solid at the moment. And that combined with the fact that I just I think we do have goals in us at this level. Like we've seen, Collins is going to score, Lofty scoring. I think Marquis unfortunately is injured for a few weeks now, but he's got a couple. Um, and you know, Evans and McCormick, I don't think either of them their seasons have really started properly. I know Evans obviously scored the penalty last night, but he's nowhere near the player he was last season at this stage. I have no doubt that it'll come and that he will find that form. At the moment, he's not there. Um, as Paul said earlier, you know, McCormick, give him time. I think he'll be absolutely fine. We saw what a good player he was in a much worse side in League One when we had him on loan. So I have no doubt that in this side, he'll be absolutely fine once he gets settled, gets his fitness back up, etc. And Evans and McCormick, McCormick are probably our two sort of most dangerous attacking midfielders. So the fact that the strikers are scoring without those two sort of finding any form as of yet is a really good sign. I think once they do find form, we'll be really sort of cooking. Um, Jasper, I really like the look of him, the brief cameos we've seen of him. I think there's a lot more to come. Um, so yeah, I just think going forward, we will score goals. I have no sort of worries about that. It's just keeping them out at the other end. And like I said, we do seem to have found a just found a formula really to to keep a bit more solid and Rossiter, as I said earlier, sort of protecting that defence now in the form he's in obviously helps that. It's a team effort, isn't it, defending? It's not just about the defence. I just think the whole unit now is defending a lot more solidly. And uh, yeah, the combination of those two things give me sort of hope moving forward, I think. Let's move on to Cheltenham away. Um, Rovers now 15th go to 19th placed Cheltenham Town at Warren Road. Uh, Ollie, can you remember the last time we played them? 
in the league? No, I know it was about 10, 11 years ago. Uh, I was probably there, but I cannot remember it for the life of me. It was a nil-nil draw in November 2013. Um, and that's why I can't remember it. It was probably the a season we got, game. It was absolutely dross. It was the season we went down to the conference. Um, and subsequently we went up and they went down. And then they came up and we went up again. And then um, we stayed in League One. And then when we came down, they went down and then they came back up. And yeah, we've just, um, we've dodged them for 10 years. Been like ships in the night for the last 10 years, basically. (laughs) Star-crossed lovers. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So hoping to do better this time to make it three wins on the bounce. What are you expecting from the game? Um, I think it will be a very different game, I think, to last night. I always think with one road, the pitch, unlike the pitch at MK, I think the pitch of one road always feels really tight and compact and it all feels yeah. sort of very close and like everyone's on top of each other. It feels like the fans are kind of on top of the pitch. Whereas compared to last night, it's all very spaced out. You feel like you're playing in a, you know, huge spaceship or something. Wadden road's like a proper ground, like the men where it's all tight and compact and stuff. I just think they'll probably get after us a lot more than MK did. I think it'll just be a much more sort of physical front and back, forwards and backwards kind of game. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to see how it goes. Obviously, they're at home. They're desperate for the points. They're struggling, you know, more so than we are now with our, you know, little pickup recently. So they'll obviously be desperate to beat us. They'll probably look at us and see us as the kind of game where if they are going to pull themselves out of trouble, they need to be taking at least a point off us, if not three. So um, I can't see them kind of settling for a point, really. Um yeah, I think it'll be a good game. I'm quietly confident going into it, obviously, with the last couple of wins. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really excited. I'm going on the train. So, yeah, a few beers. Uh, yeah, just really looking forward to the game, to be fair, and the day out. Um, always enjoy my trips there. It's a good little away end. We tend to make some noise there. So, yeah, just uh, excited to get there, to be fair. Hopefully good times on the road uh, will be returning and uh, here to stay. Yeah, it's always good to have local rivalries as well. Um that's the one thing I've not liked about League One in the past. It's just how northern a league it is. Um, this time we've got Forest, Forest Green. No, I don't, nothing. About, it's more than it's more than miles, Paul. It's all it's all the traffic. Yeah, yeah. I think last season I, I struggled to get to like many aways from up here. I was kind of sat around going, okay, like Fleetwood. Fleetwood's like twenty minutes from my house. Like Morecambe's twenty minutes from my house. Then there's Sheffield's like an hour and a bit away, so I'm I'm looking yeah. forward to probably I'll probably get to more aways than um, the games at the Men this season by the looks of it. Yeah, it just used to be such a northern league. I remember like the closest away game we would have would either be Wickham or Oxford, and then ne- the next closest would usually be like a London team. So it, it's just yeah, it's it's nice to have, and I found last season quite nice with like your Newports and Forest yeah. Greens close by. It's nice to actually have a few uh, in and around us now with Cheltenham and um, Forest Green in our in our league. So. Yeah, looking forward to that rivalry kind of being restoked after 10 years on the back burners. Still um, waiting for my um, Wadden Road season ticket to arrive in the post from the, uh, <laughs> from, from the redevelopment. But yeah, I'm sure it'll arrive soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Higgs hasn't refunded that one, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so score predictions, Paul, uh, what are you expecting out of the game? Are you going to back a third win on the bounce or is it going to be a little bit rockier than that? I think it's going to be a difficult game. I've not I've not seen a whole lot of um of Cheltenham this season, to be honest. Um, but I'm just quietly confident. I can see we're we're improving every game, and I just think I've got a feeling there's a game coming up where the floodgates are going to open at the opposite end, and we're going to put three, four, or five past someone because we're creating chance after chance after chance. And I think once 
a higher percentage of those start going in, I think there's going to be one of those games where we're just, I mean, you know, the Lincoln game was was really backwards because it's it's rare that you would score three goals at home and and lose, but it was like, you know, we we still looked like we could have scored five, six or seven in that game. And it's, you know, and then you kind of like, admittedly, obviously we defending cost us that day, but I just think maybe this could be the game where I'm, I'm quietly confident of another clean sheet and potentially two or three goals. Ollie, is it going to be another win? I was about to say yes, but I've literally, as Paul was talking then, whilst listening to Paul, of course, but at the same time, Googled Cheltenham's uh, results so far this season. And they lost 3-0 away at Sheffield Wednesday last night, which is fair enough. But before that, they won 1-0 at home against Bolton. Game before that, they won 2-0 at home against Shrewsbury. Home game before that was in the EFL Trophy. They won 2-1 against Walsall. Home game before that, they beat Cambridge 2-1. So... I'm getting less and less confident as I'm scrolling through these results, to be fair, because although they look terrible away, their home form actually looks quite good. So um, Step away from the stats. What's your gut telling you, mate? Yeah, I'm going to close down this website. It's depressing me now. All right. So um, I reckon it's going to be a 2-2 two, two draw. Ooh. Tell yeah. you what, I'd take, I'd take a point. I think I think seven points from the last... Um, the last three games is, is a very good return. And I know we've got some tough games coming up. Plymouth at home, they're top of the league, I think, currently, or thereabouts. Um, and then we've got two tough away games, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday on Sky Sports. Um, so will we be humiliated in front of the nation? Yet to be seen, hopefully not. And then uh, Derby County away on the Saturday. So three really tough games. If we did get a win, it would be pretty massive in terms of solidifying um, our position and, and kind of kicking away from that bottom bottom three. Um, I'm going to go with a two-one win. Um, I just, I just have a gut feeling that this this momentum is going to keep going. And as Paul said, we create a tremendous amount. We've got so many good options off the bench, and, and the depth is really starting to show now. We've got the reinforcements back. Um, I've got a feeling one of those two magic men, Evans or McCormick, is going to get on the score sheet uh, from open play and just get us going. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's my first away game of the season, so um, yeah, be a good one. All I want is another um, Ollie Norburn type winner. <laughs> Last minute, 40 yards, spanks it top corner, jumps in the away end. Love that from Evans this weekend. That'll do me nicely. That's my um, favourite bit of Rovers commentary ever. I remember listening on the radio, 1-0 down, 95th minute, and Ed Hadwin on the radio saying, referee's looking at his watch. It comes to Nor- Nor- Norburn. Referee looks at his watch again. Northern shoots from ah, and then they all just go mental in the doesn't even finish his sentence. They just go mental on Radio Bristol because he's just literally kicked it from 40 yards and it's somehow just flown into the top, rising all the way into the top corner. Yeah. Um, players I, was in leaping, the I was leaping around um Southampton A and E at that point as that flew in. Just oh what a moment that was. Instantly felt better. Cured me that did that goal. As soon as I saw that come through, I was fine. <laughs> I walked I skipped out of that A and E. Didn't even need to be seen anymore. I was fine. What, what was wrong with your broken leg? No, it wasn't even for me, to be fair. I was there with a mate who was a shithead, <laughs> so it kind of compounded his pain that he was in. So that was quite nice. Um but no, I think, you know, it's an obvious thing to say, but with the fixtures we've got coming up after this one, Plymouth at home, who are obviously top, Sheffield Wednesday away, who are second or third, I believe, and then Derby away, three really tough games. It was just so vital going into this run that we did pick up um, a bit of form because you could easily see us getting, you know, not too many points from those next three after this one. So we obviously have picked up. So yeah, it would be, just be so nice to get another win and the confidence then going into that Plymouth game would just be flying amongst the team and the men would be rocking and it would just set it up so nicely. So yeah, just um, 
yeah, would love three points. So yeah, let's see what happens. Fingers crossed. Uh, Paul, thanks very much for joining us, mate. Really appreciate you coming on the pod. Hopefully get you on again for a sporty pizza down at the Sportsman in person next time. Uh, keen yep. to see what your toppings would be uh, at the legendary gas venue. Uh, but yeah, really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for coming on. No, you're welcome. And uh, Ollie, pleasure as always. Um, we'll be back. I think we're planning on doing one maybe next week. If not, it'll be the usual fortnightly format. Um, but yeah, we will be back soon. Um, and you, the listeners, thanks very much for tuning in. All that's left to say at the end of this one is up the gas. Up the gas. Up the gas. Oh, he's gone for it. He's gone for it. He's gone for I, a late yeah, I, got in there. I got in there. I was suddenly pulling yeah, yeah, we'll with a late contender. Up the gas. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs>